This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. <laughs> he wants nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello, everyone. It's Wednesday and it means Game Bet Match. Uh, my name's Nigel Seeley, and joining me, man who doesn't need an introduction, but it's the former American number one men's tennis player, James Blake, and Bet Rivers ambassador. James, good to see you again, sir. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, we had a week off last week, but it wasn't a week off for the players. There was no ATP Tour events, but it was Davis Cup. And after a successful uh, the Australian Open for the American players, they had a not only it wasn't you wouldn't say it was a, it was a, a relatively difficult rubber, but it was a long travel. They went over to Uzbekistan, yeah. and they come away with a convincing four 0 win. Uh, three singles wins for Tommy Paul after a great Australian Open. Dennis Kudler won his rubber, and also Mackenzie McDonald got some very important Davis Cup experience. Um, what do you think of the hopes of the Americans? I mean, it must be quite optimistic in the, the American tennis fraternity that the Americans could do well in the Davis Cup this year. Yeah, definitely very optimistic and, and really good effort. Um, you know, you got to give credit to the players that made that trip because you're right, it wasn't an easy trip going to Uzbekistan, especially right after the the success Tommy Paul had down under. You wouldn't wouldn't have been extremely surprised to see him pull out of the Davis Cup and just cite travel and fatigue or whatever. But he got on that plane, got there and, and took care of business. So I'm, I'm happy for him um, that he got that done. Hopefully he's uh, having a well-earned rest right now um, and then um, getting ready for the next few ATP events. But um, really good effort. And I think it does mean it shows that it does mean a lot to to the players. Um, Rajiv Ram um, obviously was left off last year, but then um, steps up and um, ready to ready to answer the call again this year. So um, I think the players, especially since um, there hasn't been a Davis Cup win since um, since myself and Andy and, and the Bryans back in 07, um, I think they'd like to, to to remedy that. They'd love to to get a win and and earn that because they they know how much it means to us. I mean, we're close. Uh, all the Americans um, have been close for many years, and now um, for them to hear from myself and Andy, especially Andy, the guy's a Hall of Famer. Uh, the Bryans are soon to be Hall of Famers, and um, for all of us to talk about how much Davis Cup meant to us and how incredible that um, that experience was. I think they all want to share in that. And um, I'd love to be a part of it too. You know, I love seeing the players do well. Um, uh, I love seeing them have that experience, that camaraderie, and then going out there and and um, performing when you got USA on your chest. It means something special. And we saw it, didn't we, in the United Cup win as well, just before the Australian Open, how much the Americans sort of really got behind it, TFO and Taylor Fritz, sort of that formidable mm-hmm. partnership and that teamwork between the two of them was really there for everybody to see. Um, yeah. I, I, you said in 2007, I can't believe in 2000, that was the last time the Americans won the Davis Cup. And I know you were yeah. involved in that team, as you said, a great team there. But if someone yeah. had said to me in 2007 that 
Great Britain would win a Davis Cup, one more Davis Cup before America. I said, you're mad. You're completely, yeah. completely crazy. Yeah, that does seem crazy. And um, at that time, it, it seemed like uh, it seemed like that would be impossible. Because it would have been impossible. Yeah, just the way the the format is, you got to have at least two really, really strong players. And obviously, America being such a big country and, and Great Britain not known for having the depth as well as the 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 talent up top. But Andy Murray came around and um and Jamie Murray helping with the doubles as well and they had a they had a great team so um it is it is pretty impressive that the Great Britain was able to win the Davis Cup and uh, I think the Americans are, are itching to get it back though you know I think they're gonna be serious contenders but one thing you've got to question yourself I mean you just sort of said it in there in the, in the introduction when you're speaking about you could see the passion and the pride you had winning the Davis Cup with the Team USA on your on your shirt do you think that is still there, the motivation for the players anymore? You know, there's so much money involved. The way it positions in the, in the calendar, you know, after, if, if they go deep in a major, then you've got to go to the Davis Cup. It's, it's not, it's, it, I don't think that the Canada's done the tournament any favours at the moment. No, it hasn't. And and I've, I've always said I'm, I'm a fan of um, of trial and error. I'm a, I'm a fan of experimenting with some things and seeing if we could do some stuff better because um, all the time I was playing it, uh, the players had talked about and a lot of the coaches and the captains had said, you know, there's got to be a better way. There can be a better way just to um, to to boost the um, participation, to boost the, the spectators, to make it a little bit better. And they tried. They've been trying with this um, – one venue format that they've been doing in Spain. Um, and I don't know if the results have been there. And so that's my only caveat when I always say I'm, I'm for trial and error, you got to be okay with, if it doesn't work, go back to what was working or, or find a different solution or find another way. And, and I think they're going to work on that right now. Um, you know, as far as I know, Cosmos has now um, left the scene. So it's going to be back to the ITF to make these decisions and we'll see what uh, what becomes of it, because I think um, one of the things that was missing was that real home and away feel um, where you have that um, for us. We knew when we were going on the road, when we're going to Croatia, when we're going to um, to Spain, when we're going on the road, it, it, we're going to see some hostile crowds. And then when they come to see us wherever we're playing. Um, in the States, um, we're going to have the net heads. We're going to have the, the crazed fans, the, the Davis cup, uh, real, real diehards that want to, uh, want to make it more difficult for the away team. And, um, either way, that was, um, that was a ton of fun. And I, I loved, uh, I loved both, both sides of that. I love being on the road, being the underdog. Um, one of my most fun matches was playing in Austria when I had, um, I was playing Stefan Kubek and I had guys in the front row basically screaming at me. And all I wanted to do was my mindset for that whole match was, you know, shut those guys up. And I wanted to do, and it was, um, it's, it's just fun to, to be a part of a home and away type situation like that. You wouldn't expect the Vienna or the the beautiful picturesque Austrians <laughs> to be the most vol, you know, volatile. You, I thought you were going to say when you were in Argentina or in Buenos Aires or you're in a slow <laughs> Roman court, but Vienna, classical music playing in the background, and, uh, <laughs> and, and two guys giving you giving you some uh, abuse on the on the side. You yeah, I wouldn't say it was the whole crowd, but it was just you know, and it's also something you know, as an, as an athlete, you want to pick something, something that's going to get you motivated. And those two in the front row got me motivated, and I, I got that win, and it was uh, it, it felt really good to. Uh, when I looked over and I saw as I was at match point, I looked over and saw they had left their seats. Oh man, that made me feel really good. <laughs> I remember, I remember what going to Wimbledon. I must have been about fifteen or I've known something longer than that. I think it was about nineteen twenty because I actually in England you could, in the UK you can you can obviously have a wager at eighteen. So I had a bet. I was about nineteen, 
And uh, I can't remember who it was, but Gorin Ivanese, which was playing one of the outside courts, court number three or four or something like that. It was one of the, one, you know, you know the, the ones when you walk past and you see the courts either side. I mean, you just like the gangway, and I think there might be court seven, or eight. I can't remember which one of the court it was. And you could sit on the bench and watch the game. And I actually bet the guy Gorin Ivanese was, was playing. It was at the time when Goran wasn't playing very well. And yeah. um, I think Goran hit, hit a shot into the net on, on, on 30 or when it was break point. And I'd give a little cheer. And I never forget <laughs> Gornese, which got the ball and he bounced it about six times really menacingly and just couldn't, didn't take his eyes off me. <laughs> I, I, was, I was 19, absolutely petrified. I was absolutely petrified. Yeah, that's not an enemy you want to make, I don't think. No, he, he come back He come back on one. He come back on one and I think he won the set 6-4, but I was long gone before the end of the game. And I knew I was, I was, the break in the in the fourth set, I, I disappeared. Uh, anyway, yeah. the, the, a couple of these American players have got to travel all the way back from Uzbekistan all the way over. To mm-hmm. Dallas, which is not a trip. I mean, we spoke about the the, the distance in traveling and the amount of traveling that I've been doing recently for Bet Rivers at some tennis tournaments and how much it takes out. That is a long, yeah. long, long trip. Uh, and we saw sort of contrasting styles last night in the first round. We saw uh, obviously uh, yeah, uh, Mackenzie McDonald come through relatively easy against mm-hmm. Fernando Vadesco and aging Fernando Vadesco, 6 3, 6 love. But then yeah. we saw Dennis Kugler lose against uh, Jordan Thompson six one seven five, and he blamed the, the travel, which you 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 can expect the travel. But it's yeah. uh, it's this this week we have got Dallas. Now there's ten American tournaments on the ATP Tour Canada in 2023. This mm-hmm. is the only one indoors. It's usually very very heavily dominated. Well, the last time the only time it's been played in Dallas, it was heavily dominated by American players. Uh, the man that you like to have a good year this year when he when he returns, Riley Pelka was a defending champion. All four semi-finalists were Americans, and it's a heavy, heavy American-based uh, draw. There's 19 players remain; nine of them are Americans. The betting is dominated by American players with Bet Rivers. Seven of the top nine in the market are Americans, so it's fair to say that we could have an American winner here. Uh, Taylor Fritz mm-hmm. is the favourite at plus two fifty. Francis Tierthro is three dollars. Then we have two people breaking that American up, that uh, d- domination up. Uh, Denis Shapovalov is five dollars. Kekmanovic is eleven hundred. It is not twelve hundred. And JJ Wolf is at twelve hundred. Um, the draw looks slightly more difficult in the top half, I would say, rather than the bottom half. But what do you make of the uh, the American threat this week uh, in Dallas? And if there is going to be an American winner, where do you think it's going to come from? Yeah, I mean, I definitely like the chance of an American winner with, uh, yeah. as you mentioned, that nine of the 19 left are Americans. Um, I actually like some of those um, those long shot bets, um, Isner and, and Wolf. Um, Isner, that's, that's his backyard. He lives in Dallas now. Um, I don't see him making a huge impact this year um, because of he's just getting older, his body's uh, taking a toll and he most likely wants to be home a little bit more, but now being home, I think he's got that great feeling. And when he's serving well, man, he can beat anyone in the world, especially indoors conditions will be perfect. Um, he'll be happy to to be in that home. He'll have a lot of great crowd support as well. So I like him as having a chance because he is when he's playing well, he can obviously beat anyone in the world. So to, to think of him as 1200 uh, plus 1200 is a, is a pretty good option. JJ Wolf, I just like his game. Uh, the way he played in Australia, he's got a big game, especially uh, good for indoors. He played at Ohio State, so played plenty indoors there. Um, I think he's got a, a possibility. Um, I, I like those, you know, when they're when they're kind of long shots, but I do think they have a real chance to to take this title. Um, 
I like both of those guys. You know, Taylor Fritz is playing, um, can play really well. He's obviously, um, you know, a great player, a, a top 10 player now. Um, he's got a tough one uh, coming up with Jack Sock. Um, that'll be an interesting matchup. I actually like Taylor to come through there, but um, Jack's uh, making a real strong commitment to getting back um, into into form, uh, into better shape. He's talked um, he's talked about um, putting the work in in the gym to to be ready now. But um, I just think he had a tough one first round against Ivashka, and I think it's it's a good matchup. I mean, it, it's a good um, it's a good chance for him, but. I think Taylor Taylor might tough it out in the end, uh, but I like that being a, a really good match. And then, um, yeah, on the other side, I think there's going to be a great match with Tiafo, Tiafo and Mackie mm. McDonald. Mackie doing a good job coming from Uzbekistan, uh, getting a solid uh, routine type win against Verdasco. Um, but that could be as long as Mackie's healthy and um, and not too fatigued from the trip. Um, that's a that's a tricky out for um, for Francis. Um, Mackie's got great backhand, moves really well. Um, so not going to give Francis a lot of free points. That could be a tough one. Yeah, I mean, the, obviously, the, it's an ATP 250 event, and there's, a, there's always a question mark over the, the market leaders, Fritz and, and TFO, thinking that, that they've got bigger tournaments to come up. They've obviously got Dubai, they've got Indian Wells, they've got uh, Miami as well. So, you know, there is if you're going to get one of these players beat, these are the tournaments where you would look down for the long shots. And, you know, I agree with you. I'm, I've actually uh, bet JJ Wolf. Uh, I mean, yeah. he was my, one of my players to follow this year at a great um, Australian Open. And I thought a plus 1200. Uh, interesting, John Nisner. He came through the first round, predictably, to score 7 6 7 6 against yeah. Sheng. And he banged 22 aces down. So, uh, however much he's getting older, that serve is still a dangerous weapon on these indoor fast conditions, isn't it? Absolutely. It, it, he's dangerous. I mean, anytime it's a fast court like that and indoors, he's got a, he's got a chance because every match he could he could just about play every match this week as a tie break. I mean, almost mm. every tournament, almost every set. And then it's a coin flip and you're going to go with a guy that's got a huge serve in uh, in a tie break that can take a couple huge cuts on returns and uh, maybe get you know one or two lands in. And then you're under so much pressure just to get a, a break, a, a mini break of his serve. And it's difficult to do so. Um, there's a chance he can get through any of these, but it's also, you know, kind of playing on the razor's edge because it can be in a tie break with just about anyone. And, you know, he throws in one double, two doubles. And, you know, before you know it, he's down, he's lost the set, lost the match seven, six, seven, six. So it's, um, it's a bit of a coin flip, but at 1200, I like, I like taking my odds of a yeah. coin flip at 1200 at plus 1200. Yeah. Conditions would definitely suit John Isner. Uh, and I think the American, we, well, we're very confident we're going to have an American win. I think Dennis Shapovalov could be the only one who could, uh, who could who could really sort of change that? But I think yeah, he's got a tough first round though. Um, Yibing Wu has been playing well, um, mm. and so I think that and I saw the odds of that are, are pretty heavily stacked towards Shapovalov. And Shapovalov is another guy that's uh, that can be kind of streaky. So um, that might be worth uh, seeing if Wu um, can come out firing and put a little pressure on Shapovalov because um, Shapovalov can beat anyone, but also could you know could have a tough day. His serve, it's his serve. When his serve goes, Shapovalov, you know, he, he can, yeah. his, his serve completely goes and his whole game just completely falls apart. And that, that's yeah. the problem with it. it goes too many times. Yeah, it's a better chance for him indoors where you don't have any of the elements um, of that serve not going away. But there is still that chance. So, I mean, I'm just I'm just thinking strictly in the odds. I mean, he should win that match. But, um, but with those odds, I don't know. 
Yeah, well, it was a decent price. We were plus two ten. So I'll give you some of the matches today. The, myself and James are talking about there uh, tomorrow. These games are tomorrow eight pm Eastern time. Mackenzie McDonald against Francis TFO. TFO is the favourite minus one eighty six with Mackenzie McDonald plus one forty eight. The totals are twenty two and a half. That's tomorrow eight pm Eastern time. And straight after that, tomorrow at nine twenty is Denis Shapovalov against Wu uh, Shapovalov minus two seventy five. Wu is plus two ten. And the overs, uh, the total games is 22 and a half there as well. Um, just one thing, when, when, when you mentioned John Isner, I just wanted to know, did you ever play John Isner? Have you ever played John I've Isner? I've played him, unfortunately, three times. And he, I, I, I'm on the, the wrong side of those tie breaks in the third and 7-5 <laughs> in the third. And I also played him at some of his favorite, absolutely favorite events. I played him twice in Atlanta and once in D.C. All the times it was crazy hot and uh, really, really fast conditions. But um yeah, so I, I got a chance to to see that serve, and that's why I've I've always said that's the that's the best serve I've ever faced. I was going to say, how did, where does it rank? Number one, yeah, number one. Um, I'd put it number one, and Andy kind of one A, you know, one B, whatever. Andy's is very close. Um, Andy doesn't ever want to admit that. By the way, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> Anytime you mention that to Andy, he's like, "You're crazy for even putting me in the same category." Isn't there just so much better? But Look, Andy's was pretty darn good. Um, but Isner, I think it's it's just the variety. The way he's able to do that, he can change up the the pace, he can change up the spin, he can hit every spot, he can hit every corner, and he can hit it, you know, his big ones, 145. So he's got everything. And he's actually, um, I don't like giving him credit for this, but he's actually a smart server. Um, I'm a guy that likes taking time away. He knows that. He's going to serve me into the body with some big second serves. When he knows I get frustrated with certain certain types of serves, he's going he's gonna to hit those spots. And he's... Um, he knows what he's doing, so he's kind of put it all together to have um, probably in my, you know, not probably in my opinion, it's just uh, it's the best server of all time. When you play him and you get broken, you think that's the set gone, that's <laughs> it. How'd you mentally, uh, how'd you mentally? Yeah, it's tough. It, it It's scoreboard pressure. I mean, it, it's scoreboard yeah. pressure to the nth degree because every single service game, you know, it's, it's, it is that feeling of you're serving at four or five, you know, every you know, when you play anyone else, if you're serving at four or five, you know, all right, I can't get broken here. Uh, obviously, you're, you're, you're down a set if you get broken there. Four or five and five, six, those are big, huge holds. But at love one, when you're serving against John Isner, you feel that four or five type mentality mm-hmm. because, hey, if I get broken, this break point could basically be a set point because he can take the racket out of your hand. And that's so frustrating. I, I personally, I hated playing players like Isner or Karlovich. Um, I like them as people, but I hated playing them um, mm-hmm. because you have that feeling all the time and any, any sort of match where you feel like the racket's taken out of your hand to me is just frustrating. Um, I know it's part of the game. I know it's the way uh, they're obviously <laughs> their bodies are, their games are built, but um, it, it is, it is a tough mentality um, to have against those kind of players because you feel like every time you're serving a stay in a set. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. John is coming towards the end of his career, but he could go out with a high, with a win in Dallas at plus 1,200. Big odds if that surf gets going. Uh, yeah. No one's going to relish playing John Isner in these conditions. We're talking about an American player coming towards the end of his career. We're talking about an American young American uh, lady who just uh, started her career and just got off her to her first win, a WTA win last week in Leon. A fantastic win, beating Carolyn Garcia in her hometown as well. An amazing performance for Alicia Parks. Now, if you followed game bet match last week, last Monday, um, Roy Giovanni, our 
tennis expert for the women's tour WTA. He actually gave Alicia Parks to win the tournament at the very beginning. So a fantastic achievement for Rory there. Uh, he did say that she would win uh, her first round match today, though, against Kalalina, which I said, I'm fading that at all costs. Because <laughs> the 22-year-old girl or 22-year-old guy is going to have a party when he wins their first tour. They're not going to be ready to play for the next, in the next couple of days. So anyway, she, this Kalisha Parks has now won. She's 22 years of age. She's from Atlanta, Georgia. She's up to a career high at number 51 in the world, James. Now, you obviously have got your eye, your ear close to the ground and your eye on all, all these young up-and-coming tennis players at stateside. Um, what do you think? I didn't know much about her until last week, to be fair. I wasn't, I didn't, I had, she sort of escaped my my eye, but obviously we've watched her now. Everyone's impressed. Everyone knows about her. Um, how good can she be? And what, what gives a little bit of background about Alicia Parks? Well, I didn't know a ton about her until about, about a month Five ago. Five minutes ago, did I? No, 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 about a month ago, uh, maybe a little over a month ago, um, you know, as a touring director of Miami Open, I get a lot of the the wildcard requests. And um, one of the first ones that came in, so it might have been even more than a month ago, because uh, hers was the first. So that's why it's extremely memorable. The first one right. I got for this year was Alicia Parks. Okay, you know, she's had some success. She's coming up and would love to love to the possibility of a wild card. So, okay, I'll, you know, look into it. We, we, we make a little chart spreadsheet of all the ones that come in and um, we weigh our options as it gets towards the end. But um, since I was the first one on the list, I was like, okay, let's, you know, see what, you know, the possibility and talk to a couple of agents and some people. And I said, yeah, she's she's definitely an up and comer. Um, and she's she's one that could definitely be worthy of a wild card because she's got some talent. I said, okay, great. And I looked into it and then I saw some results and I saw some more results. And then I saw last week, I said, okay, well, I mean, there's, there's, I guess there's really good news is that she's not going to need a wild card now. So I don't need to worry about about that, but man, she's, I'm now excited to see her play in person because I haven't seen her play in person. I saw her, you know, a little bit last week in Lyon um, that serves big, um, moves really well, got some, a little bit of a little bit of flash with her as well, you know, um, some, some pretty impressive uh, highlight reel type stuff. So um, that always makes you think there's, there's a big upside when you've got that, um, that, you know, kind of that ability to, to make something special happen. Um, I was impressed with the way she handled any of the pressure. Um, Cause like I said, she's 22 years old and uh, playing against Caroline Garcia, you know, a top player and not deal, not um, struggling with the pressure, not struggling with the stress of, of the moment. Um, so that always makes me think that there is a big upside when you can handle any of that pressure. And yeah, like you said, losing the first round next week, I, I, would have not I don't want to say I would have expected that but I don't get surprised by that no. I remember anytime I was playing an opponent and they were going deep the week before I wanted them to win the tournament I, I, hey if I'm playing you first round I want you to have won the tournament last week because I know it's just such a different and a difficult task to turn around right you know two days later at a different venue to come up with the same kind of uh tennis you had the those two days before so um, that's not unexpected, but I think, you know, she'll regroup, um, and she'll be back for the American, uh, the, the sunshine double and, and ready to, to play for Indian Wells in Miami now. And the condition, condition should suit her there as well. Again. Yeah, I would think so. She's got a big game. I mean, yeah. that's the kind of, uh, that, that's the kind of game that can be very successful. I mean, a lot of Americans grew up on hard courts. Atlanta has a ton of hard courts and especially in the heat, the, the ball can fly a little bit more. So, um, those conditions should be good for her. Um, so we'll see in, in Miami courts might be a little quicker this year in Miami. We'll see. Um, so it could be re- very good for Alicia Parks. I think instead of the wild card, she's going to be um, on the stadium court. 
So yeah, I think there's a decent chance of that. I mean, a couple more big results, you might be a seed. Yeah. Uh, which would be, I, I think I'd have to, I'd have to see if I've ever had a request for a wild card and then ended up uh, them being seated at the event. I don't know if that, I don't know if that's no. ever happened. I think it's going to be very, very rare. I have to go through the archives and find one. I can't believe Boris Becker maybe for Wimbledon. Yeah. I mean, something like that. You might have to go back that far back. Uh, yeah. That's so. That's Alicia Parks. I think she's going to have a big game. I think she'll have a big season. Um, everyone seems to know about her now, obviously, and she's going to, she's going to have a lot of uh, pressure on her when she comes to the American uh, tournaments in Miami and in uh, Indian Wells as well. I think Alicia Parks is going to be a big name this season. So keep an eye out for her. And uh, when Wimbledon comes around. I'll tell you what, that game she's got there, she's, she's no one's going to want to be facing her. Uh, finally, there's two other tournaments uh, across the world in the ATB Tour this week. We have a clay court event in Cordoba, uh, and we, we have this sort of, these sort of South American events, don't we, they start at the beginning of the season, where all the Argentinians do very well, like the Americans yeah. do very well in Dallas. And we also have an event in uh, in France, in Montpellier. Uh, probably, it's arguably to say they're not the best quality of events. Uh, Diego Schwartzman is the number one seed in Cordoba coming towards you know, a player who's been great but hasn't had the results this year. And in Montpellier, um, it's not really the best of fields there. But um, have you looked at the draws? Anybody you, you quite like yeah, in that I mean tournament? I, I would go with um I would go with both in both of the events. I, I really like the the number two seed. Um Sarindolo in Cordoba and um in Montpellier that's uh Yannick Sinner. Yeah. And you're right, they're not the you know the the deepest of draws, but you got Rune and um Runa and uh Sinner in um in Montpellier, two not even future stars, they're already stars, they're already top fifteen in the world. Both of them, uh both of them in my opinion will be top ten by the end of this year and uh, firmly entrenched in the top 10. So you got some real great uh, players at the top there. I, I just like Sinner um, this year, I think is going to continue getting better and better. Um, I love his game, um, his explosiveness, his his strokes are huge. We watched a ton um, when he played that incredible match with Alcaraz at the open last year. Um, I think he's got the ability to win that title and, and start, um, start having a great year. And in uh, Cordoba, you're right. Schwartzman hasn't had the results. I don't think he's fully healthy. I don't think he's um, ready to to go through um, four or five matches in a row um, successfully and 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 being healthy on that leg. Um, for Sarundolo, I think he's been um, at times a little underrated. He, he has um, he has a lot of success on clay. Um, so obviously this one being on clay, I, I like his chances, but I also think he's, he can, he can have a little success on hard too. He won a couple matches at the Australian open this year. Um, he did well in Miami open last year, um, helped by a couple of injuries, but still he's, um, I think he's got big forehand moves well. So I think he's ready to, and, and he's done well on the South American clay before. So I think he's, he's ready to, to have uh, more success this, uh, this week as well, I think. That is Francesco Serendulo, the number two seed that James yeah, likes. That's yeah, true. There's two of them in there. Yeah, there's two. That's there. right. But it's quite funny because Sean, our uh, senior handicapper for the HB Tour on Game Bet Match on Sunday, he gave his brother to win it. He said he, 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 so, so. We've got it sewn up with Surindulo brothers all in. So we, well, they're, we, but they're on the opposite sides of the draw, so it could be a Surindulo yeah, final. Sir, uh, so we'll see. Maybe Sean and I will both be both be right if they're in the final. Then uh, I'll take I'll take a finals, and he he gets the win with with uh, with the, the with the younger brother. Exactly. So they are the Serendulo brothers. Big name's going to be on clay uh, this year. And obviously, 
look out for them. I think it's going to be a very open French Open as well this year. So, you know, these guys, there's going to be a lot of these young players coming through on clay court from these Argentinian swings. Have a look at them for potential players who could go deep in the Australian Open. Sorry, sorry, the French Open, because obviously Rafa Nadal, we don't know what fitness he's going to be in, and it's going to be very, very wide open. And over in uh, Montpellier, over in France, Yannick Sinner, I think anybody who watches or listens to a game bet match will be aware that Mr. James Blake really does like Yannick Sinner <laughs> and uh, I think already now when it comes to French Open US Open and Wimbledon this year I know who Mr. Blake will be uh, will be tipping up as his, as, his, as one of his outsiders uh, James thank you very much as always for joining us uh, really appreciate your time uh, tomorrow I'll be back with uh, with Sean Calvert looking ahead to the weekend and hopefully the Serendula brothers will be in the latter stages in Cordoba uh, and James will be joining me again next Wednesday where we talk all things tennis in the world of tennis here on Game Bet Match uh, you can download us on your preferred podcast provider and you can follow us on Twitter at Because We Win and please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Bet Rivers Network thank you very much for watching or listening take care and we'll speak to you soon Thanks for listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network.